We're in a series called Foretold, and we've been exploring the arrival of Jesus, looking at the first chapter of each of the four Gospels. And in that, I've been taking kind of our our sermon prep team and assigning them these different chapters. Last week, Jason did an outstanding job, and we've had some the notes that Alex brought to us. And today, we're bringing us um, some notes that came from Lee Judd. So if you guys know Lee, she's got always some great insight when it comes to the Bible. And so today we're going to be talking through the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. So since you got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Malachi. <laughs> Malachi, as somebody might call him. That's the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. But put your finger in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture to start us off today. So everybody say, I can take it. Okay, lots of scripture. We're going to read this. I'm going to read this. We're going to start in Malachi chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. So Malachi's a prophet. He's, he's prophesying. And he says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. All right. Turn to Luke now. Chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. We're going to go 5 through 17. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Yeah, there you go. His wife was Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty... And he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you were to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is neighbor to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Now, I'm going to read this verse and think about the verse we just read. He will bring many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now skip down to verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, the same angel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Let's pray, God. We thank you for your word. God, we pray that this scripture would just speak to our hearts. God, that you would just show us something in here that maybe we've not thought of or seen before. God, and let your words be much louder than mine. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. 
All right. So before we dive in to the scriptures we just read, there's something I've got to address. And it's something that's gotten completely out of hand today. And it has to be addressed. I know it's Christmas Eve, but we have to talk about something. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm talking about gender reveal parties. I got you all really bad. I said gender, and you're like, oh, Lord, I brought my friend today. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Gender reveal parties, those celebrations that, you know, they're, they're cutting cakes, and it's blue or pink. Um, maybe they're popping balloons, and it's, you know, getting confetti everywhere. But have you seen some of these? They're completely crazy. I'm like, what are you guys doing? As I was preparing this week, I started looking some of them up. And you've got your typical ones where they're just, you know, popping the balloons and stuff. But you've got people now that are putting, like, colored smoke bombs in their, like, their mufflers. And then they're driving around and making a big smoke mess. I saw somebody was shooting off fireworks everywhere. Um, Then I saw the one that topped them all off. And this was an army guy. I don't know how he got the approval to do this. Shot a tank that blew up this thing that made the color blue. And I was like, army strong, hoorah. Like, what is this? And it's just, it's wild. I mean, when I, this makes me sound old whenever I talk like this. But in my day, you know what you got? You got this blurry picture. And either it had a -a thing-a-ling or a -a (laughs) ding-a-ling. And you just shared. (laughs) Sorry, should I not have said that? Yeah. No, I'm not going to say it again. (laughs) But we didn't have these big elaborate parties, and here's what I'm not saying. I'm not getting on some of y'all that have had those. You're just more creative than we were, maybe a little more narcissistic, I don't know. Um, But truly, we just weren't, weren't as creative. We didn't think of those type of things. But guess what? God's got you topped. Here's the thing. It seems like God and his infinite creativity was the original creator of the gender reveal party. Except he didn't use a cake. He didn't use balloons. He sent angels, the armies of heaven, to announce this. It's a boy. And he sent them twice. So picture this. Zachariah, he's in the temple. And who shows up? It's not a baker with a cake. It's Gabriel, an angel, shouting it loud. You are going to have a son, and you are to call him John. There's no need for streamers. In fact, there was no need even for afterwards for Zechariah to talk. He shut his mouth. And then the angel comes to Mary. And again, no need to pop a balloon because this angel proclaims a message to her. You are going to have a son. You are to call him Jesus. And this wasn't just any son. The angel was saying this was an announcement that was, had been prepared for thousands of years. This wasn't a, a gender reveal party that was going to shake the nations. Because this wasn't any boy. This wasn't just any son. This was the king of kings coming to the earth to change everything. The light of the world. The hope of all nations. The prince of peace. So... As we dive into Luke 1, here's what God was announcing. He was announcing the arrival of joy, the arrival of peace, the arrival of salvation, the arrival of hope. And that's what the title of our message is today, the arrival of hope. 
We're going to be talking about hope this morning. And I know for some of you, you're like, that's great. And for others of you, like, man, you don't know what my year has been like. You don't know what my season has been like. I may not know your specific thing, but I, I've, I've been through some stuff. And I know what it's like to have a Christmas season when you're excited. And I know what it's like to have a Christmas season where you're like, ugh. But no matter what, we have hope because we have Jesus. And we're going to talk about that today. So we're going to look at three powerful dimensions of hope from those three sections of scripture that we just read. And the first one is this. There's an expectant hope. An expectant hope is the silence before the dawn. I want to start with expectant hope because we read those last few verses in the book of Malachi. And it's the the last portion of what we call the Old Testament. You flip the page. And when you flip the page, what you're really doing is you're going through 400 years You're flipping the page, and there's been 400 years with no prophet. There's been 400 years with seemingly like God was not speaking anymore. 400 years when it seemed like God had been silent for centuries. 400 years they'd been waiting, wondering, holding on to hope. Is this really going to happen? He's promised this Messiah. Now, for 400 years, we haven't seen, it seems like we haven't heard from God at all. But even in that silence, there was hope. The people clung to hope because they saw what God had done in the past. They could cling to hope because they they knew that there would be a time again when the dawn would come. And some of you maybe feel like that today. Maybe you've been like that. I've, I've been through seasons of spiritual drought, seasons where I was praying Seasons where I was reading scripture and seeking God, but it just, it just felt like nothing. And it's, it's hard. You're like, man, I'm doing the things. I'm reading my scripture. I'm praying. I just don't feel, I just don't hear anything. I don't feel anything. I remember there was a season, it was months of that. And that's hard. They went through 400 years of that. But they remembered the stories And when I was struggling, I have to think back about the times that God was there in my life and remember the things that he'd done. And they had remembered the victories. And they looked back and they remembered God's promises to Abraham, God's promises to Isaac, God's promises to David. And they'd have to think about those things, about how he delivered them from Egypt, how he had been with them after battle after battle, victory after victory. Maybe you're in a season where God seems silent. If you've been praying, God, I need a breakthrough. God, I need a healing. I need a sign. It feels like heaven is silent. And I want to encourage you with this. Don't mistake silence for God's absence. Don't mistake silence for God's absence. Because in the background, God was working out stuff. God was working out. His divine timing is not our timing. It's better than our timing. An expectant hope calls us to trust God in the silence and to believe that dawn is coming. You guys know we've seen it and experienced sunrise enough that we know when it's dark, we know the sun's going to rise again because we've experienced so many times that same pattern. Some of us need to experience God more so that when we get into the darkness, we know the dawn will come back. We need to experience more of God. And here's the thing about the dawn. Does every dawn look the same? No. Sometimes the sun rises and it's bright and shining. Other times there's still a big thick fog mist. But no matter what, the sun still comes up. 
So sometimes God shows up and it's bright and it's like, here I am. And other times it feels a little cloudy, but the sun is still there. So some of you, you're looking for God and you need to just stay in that season, that moment of expectant hope. The second one we're going to look at is this. And this is, so the first one was from Malachi. The second one is coming through Elizabeth and Zechariah, and that's restored hope. God is the God of miracles. So expectant hope, what we just talked about, is all about anticipation. Expectant hope is looking, you know, God, what, what is he going to do? It's forward thinking. It's, it's going, what is God going to do? Expectant hope keeps us looking forward, but restored hope helps us to look back and say only God could have done that. Restored hope is when God does something and we can look back and say, oh man, that only could have happened from God. So Elizabeth lived in a society where barrenness was often seen as a sign of disfavor. So if you weren't able to have children, people would have asked themselves, well, man, there must be sin. You must be doing something wrong. Um, God, you know, must not like you. That's really literally how they would have thought. You're barren. You must, ha- you must have done something against God. Your worth was wrapped up in childbearing. So for years... Elizabeth and Zachariah had hoped for a child, but now it says they were advanced in years. If you don't know what that means, it means they were old, okay? They had the wrinkles. They, they was old. But suddenly, an angel announces to her husband, Zachariah. Zachariah was on duty to come into the temple, and an angel shows up and announces to Zachariah, and he quotes what we read in Malachi. And we'll get to Zechariah's response in a bit, but Elizabeth's response in verse 25. She says this, the Lord has done this for me. Sometimes we have good things happen in our life and we don't acknowledge who they come from. We take them as circumstance. We take them as our good luck. We take them as our good work. And we need to get back into the response of the Lord has done this for me. The Lord has done this for me. It's not just a happen chance. It's not just because I'm good at something. You know why you're good at something? God gave you that ability. So no matter what you're going through, the Lord has done this for me. She acknowledges that her joy came from God. And in her season of barrenness, Elizabeth might have felt forgotten. But God was working out a plan. Restored hope is all about believing that God has the power to bring life into any situation. It's trusting that God can restore what was lost, that God can bring joy out of sorrow, and God can make the barren fruitful. And I know this is hard to hear. I'm going to dive into this a little bit more in a bit, but I want you to just think, what am I like almost given up hope on? Because I guarantee you they'd given up hope at this moment on this thing. Maybe you're feel, feeling a situation where you seem like, man, hope is just lost. It might be healing. It might be a relationship. Elizabeth's story is a reminder that nothing is too hard for God. Restored hope calls us to look beyond our circumstances and believe in God's power and his restorative power. We talk about this a lot around here. God is a redeemer and a restorer. God is a redeemer and a restorer. God sees you. God knows your pain. He's capable of turning all of your mourning into dancing. That's what scripture says. He can turn your sorrow into joy. And don't give up on God because you haven't seen it because he hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on him. 
Don't give up. The third one, and this one can be a a fun one or it can be really obnoxious. It's surprising hope. It's when God shows up and gives you an unexpected calling. So how many of you guys like a movie or a book with like a plot twist? You know, that boom, boom, boom type of moment and everything changes. I was trying to think through some of these, putting this message together and I was talking to my family around the table. I was like, what's a movie that has like a good plot twist? And then I think it was my wife. She goes, well, what about like in Star Wars where all of a sudden Darth Vader and Luke, they're standing there and he tells, he looks to Luke and then he tells him, I am your father. I'm like, that is a huge plot twist. And my son, Elijah, he's 11. He goes, dad, everybody knows that. I was like, everybody didn't know that though when they watched this. <laughs> it was one of those like plot twists. You know, we all enjoy when we're watching the movie and maybe it's that, that mystery and we thought it was the, the baker. And, oh, it's the babysitter. Oh my goodness. But here's when we hate the plot twist, when it's in our own life. The plot twist is fun when it's in fiction because it keeps life exciting. But when God wants to make our life exciting, we say, ah, I got my plan. I got my priorities. What do you, God, you, you, you're doing good. Um, don't mess this up. And we try to give orders to God. And he said, no, no, no. Sometimes I want, I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to give you a new purpose and a new calling. And my question is, what are you going to do when life throws you a plot twist? When God comes into your well-organized, neatly planned life and he brings something that maybe you never saw coming, and that's what we see in Mary. It's a surprising type of a hope. Mary's just a young woman from a, a small, unassuming town. And then out of nowhere, an angel shows up with a message. And that she's going to have a baby. And this baby is going to be the Messiah, the one that they've been hoping for for thousands, like forever. They've been waiting for the Messiah to come and change everything. And the angel comes to this ordinary girl and boom, plot twist. Can you imagine this? Just try to picture you vacuuming, you doing your normal things, and an angel shows up and gives you this type of a message. And she's obviously startled. She didn't know what was going on. She didn't ask for this. She didn't expect it. Probably never even considered this a remote possibility. But she, as you will see, just says, okay, I'm obedient to whatever God's plan is for me. So what do you do when God brings surprising hope into your life? You've got to embrace it. First off, you've got to make sure, is this God? Because sometimes we get crazy ideas in our own brain. Yeah. Or we get bored with stuff. Because some of you, your natural tendency and personality is to just change things all the time. So you've got to check, is this God? And once you hear this is God, or something comes along and it's God, then you've got to say, okay, I'm going to embrace this and run forward with it. Surprising hope is about those moments when God's plans interrupt our plans. Because Mary's response is this. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know, personally, I've had some moments of surprising hope. I remember almost, well, it was a little more than 12 years ago, my wife coming in to the house sobbing. I was like, what? What's going on? And she goes, I'm pregnant. We weren't expecting to have a third child. I know how that happens, trust me. Like, 
I should, I should have not been completely shocked. But this was, a, this was one of those things. Sometimes God throws this little kink, and I would never want to have life without Elijah. But that was not something we had planned for. I was talking to my wife about this. It was about this same time-ish. Last year, I started showing up around this place. And I remember saying, okay, God, I don't like this feeling you're giving me. But if you want me to be at this place, you've got to make it 100% very, very much evident. And it was one of those God nudges and God callings. That was a disruption to my plan. And I've had other moments when there's a God calling and a, a God disruption and I've ignored it. And guess what? That doesn't go very well. So when God gives you a surprising hope and he maybe changes your direction, ask, is this God? And then decide, okay, I'm going to step out in faith and move. You know, we've heard just Jace recently about how God had just gave him a big shift. And I praise it so much that he decided I'm going to step out and move in that space. That's one of those things. And when God brings a surprising moment of hope, it's about those moments when God catches us off guard. He challenges us. Kind of as we reframe this all, I want us to understand the beauty of expectant hope, of restored hope, of surprising hope. And that whether you're waiting in the silence, whether you're longing for restoration, you're stepping into the unknown, God is with you. God is weaving a story together, a weaving a story together of hope. And a lot of us, though, like I talked about at the beginning, we haven't experienced the things that we want. The healing we've prayed for, the baby we've longed for, the breakthrough we're expecting, it didn't come. It didn't come in the way we envision. Let me tell you, this doesn't mean that your prayers are unheard. It doesn't mean that you just need more faith. It doesn't mean that you're unseen by God. God sees every tear. God hears every prayer. He understands every heartache. But sometimes God's ways don't make sense to us. They just don't. And I acknowledge that. Man, I prayed for years for my dad. I prayed for years for him to just give up that alcoholism. And God never really completely answered my prayer because first off, God is, allows us to make our own decisions. And my dad pa has passed. That was really difficult and hard. And there's those times you're just like, God, why? What? what in the world? I know some of you have prayed for other things. Some of you have prayed for lost family members that have turned away and ran away from Christ. Some of you have been praying for a child for a long time and it's not happened. But I, I was thinking of this. Sometimes the thing that you've been praying for, some of you are praying for a, a friend. And some of you have lots of friends and you don't even pray for them anymore. Sometimes the thing that you're praying for, God has provided for somebody else and God just decides who, yes, what. It's so confusing sometimes. But we have to understand that hope sometimes doesn't show up in the ways we expect. It might come as peace. It might come as strength when we're weak. It might come just as a, a way to endure a season of hardship. 
courage to face another day, but we have to understand our hope is not anchored in the gifts we receive, but the giver himself. Our hope is not just in the gift, it's in the giver. If we've talked about this before when we did a sermon series on prayer. If our hope is in that God will give us what we want, all we really want is a vending machine genie God. I pray the thing, God does the thing. That is not who God is. God already did the best thing he ever could when he sent Jesus to this earth for us. And everything else we pray for, everything else we walk through is just the grace of God, the goodness of God. The fact that I can breathe is a gift from God. And so all the things that sometimes we long for, even though they might be great, sometimes they just don't go the way we would expect them to go. So if you're in a place, maybe the restoration you've prayed for hasn't come, I want to speak hope. Your testimony is not over. God's faithfulness is still there. You know, I told you at the beginning that Lee Judd was helping us in this message, and she really was the one that said, let's focus in on hope a lot, and she shared some of her story. And I said, you need to get up here and share this. And she said, absolutely not. <laughs> and I said, well, then you've got to share it somehow. So she sat down and recorded part of her story of what it looks like to struggle with some hope and to get hope finally at the end. So I want you guys to turn your attention to the screen. When Pastor Mark asked our sermon prep team to take the first verse of one of the four Gospels and present a theme for our Christmas series, I knew that I wanted Luke. I mean, how much easier can you get for a Christmas sermon than the Christmas story in Luke? So I excitedly flipped open my Bible app on my phone, but instead of shepherds in the field and the manger, I found the angel Gabriel scaring Zachariah and Mary as he announces the coming birth of Jesus and John the Baptist. Not quite the Christmas story that I thought I was going to be preparing. So I did what I always do when I have no idea what to do. I prayed and asked that God would reveal something new and fresh for us during this season. And as I read these words, the theme that kept coming back to me was hope. But that's not new. Everyone knows that hope is about Christmas, right? So over the week that I had to prepare, I would read and I would pray and I would read and I would pray. And finally, a couple of days before we were set to present our themes, I thought, I'll grab my study Bible. So I grabbed my study Bible off of my nightstand. And as I flipped open to Luke 1, I found these four little tabs. And on the four little tabs were the four letters spelling out the word hope. 11 years ago, I was struggling with infertility and a friend and I started a 100 Essentials of the Bible reading plan. And over these 100 days, we just happened to hit every instance in the Bible where a barren woman conceives and gives birth to a child. And so I marked all of those stories with the word hope. And for three years, I reread and studied and prayed, believing that my story would end just as theirs. And it didn't. My story is beautiful, and I believe it is God-ordained, but it looks very, very different than the stories that I read in the Bible. Very early on, I felt like God was nudging us toward adoption. But you see, I had a dream and I had a plan and my plan was to conceive. So I quarter-heartedly 
followed the, okay, let's see what adoption would look like and how it would work. But really, I was striving to have a baby of my own. In May of 2015, I sat in a doctor's office ready to start another round of fertility treatments. And the doctor told me, frankly, my chances of conceiving were very small without what I considered to be drastic intervention. So my husband and I had a choice. Do we follow the path of the doctor or do we put all of it in God's hands and whatever comes, comes? After praying, we both decided that this was God's. If he was gonna give us a child, he would give us a child. And honestly, I was crushed. I had to let go of how I wanted to have a child and let God show me his will. Whatever you're calling me to, I'll do anything, but I can't carry this burden on my own anymore. And I have to stop striving for my dream and I have to lean to you. Two months later, I got a phone call. There was a woman in Pennsylvania who was about to give birth that could not keep her child and she was ready to sign him for adoption. In August of 2015, we met our little boy in the uh, hallway of a hospital. And he was the exclamation point to our family. He's the child that God always had for us. The Psalm says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your hearts. We spent a lot of time talking about the last half of that verse. He will give you the desires of your hearts. And we missed the important part, delight in the Lord. You see, when you delight in somebody, you spend time with them, you get to know them, you enjoy their company. We have a God who made a way through His Son, Jesus, for us to grow in relationship with Him. And when we grow close to Him, when we spend time in His Word, when we pray with Him, when we come together with others that build us and push us toward Him, what happens is He changes our hearts from what we want to what He wants, and He reveals His purpose and His plans for us. I had to close the door on my dream of how I wanted to have a baby for God to open the door to His will and plans for my life. And these verses that I had read for so many years, they were a guiding light for me. They were proof that if God had wanted me to have a child naturally, He could have breathed and taken away whatever barriers He had, and He didn't because his plan was different than mine. I don't know what you're struggling with today. Maybe your marriage feels like it's one fight away from divorce. Maybe you're struggling with infertility. Maybe God's asked you to do something that you simply don't want to do. Or maybe your Christmas day is gonna be full of joy and laughter, but the day after comes and everyone leaves and the house is quiet again and loneliness sets in. Whatever you're struggling with, there is hope to be found in the pages of this word. And it all points back to Jesus. We have hope because no word from God will ever fail. If you're new to church, I want to give you a sneak peek of where we go from here. Why this Christmas celebration is so important. You see, God made flesh, this baby boy born in a manger. He grew into a man who was followed by the masses, despised by religious leaders. And in the midst of life change and miracles, he willingly went to the cross where his death made a way for not only us to be forgiven of our sins, but for us to spend eternity with the Father, just as he promised. Oh. So now we have to make a response. 
And if we read through those scriptures, there's a couple different responses. Zechariah, if you read, they sound similar when you see these stories between Zechariah and Mary. But what Zechariah asked for, he basically said, hey, angel, prove it to me. He wanted certainty. And some of us, when we're, when we're either maybe taking the first step of faith and surrendering our life to Jesus, or maybe we're in a season and we, we pray for certainty. God, make, prove it. And you know what the angel did? He shut his mouth. Because sometimes we want certainty and God's like, shut up. Mary asked a very similar question, but if you read it, the heart behind it was different. She asked for clarity. Help me understand this, God. Help me understand this. Similar to what we just saw Lee. She's like, I don't get this. And so she went to the Word. She read through Scripture. And God will bring us clarity. But on the end of it, both of them had the same response. Once, once they saw hope fulfilled, they both had the same response. And it's the response that we should all have because the ultimate hope of Jesus has been fulfilled. And if you read through there, Zechariah gives a tremendous worship prophetic song. And then Mary also gives an amazing prophetic worship song. Both of them end in worship. Because when you experience the goodness of God, you worship God. And all of us have experienced the goodness of God because if you believe in celebrating Christmas for what it really is, that it's not just gifts and bows, those are great things, but it's heaven come to the earth. It's the king setting throne on this place and saying, this is my kingdom and these are my people. If you truly believe that, then that is worthy of our worship. So I want us to stand this morning. And we're going to sing a song that we're all familiar with. But there was a holy night. So Alex, why don't you go ahead and lead us?